Welcome to the Blue Oasis Podcast. This is the podcast for finding peace and prosperity, learning the history of hobbies, as well as developing a little side hustle. If you want to find peace and prosperity in your life, this is your show. Get ready. You're listening to the Blue Oasis Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Rothstein. All right, let's get to the show. Hello there, everyone, and welcome back to the Blue Oasis Podcast, and welcome if you are new. My name is Adam Rothstein, and I am your host. So, today we are talking about hockey, the history of it, and how it became a sport, you know, how it came about, and um, and also... And also how you can make a little bit of money from it. Now, uh, for those of you that do not know, I played ice hockey in college. I played in high school, both on varsity and and JV. Um, And I played uh, peewee, in-house, that sort of thing. Uh, But yeah, let's uh, get get right into it. So um, yeah. So ice hockey. Uh, there are many different debates as to when it actually um, originated. Um, if you're talking field hockey, um, I mean, it probably that originated around uh, ancient uh, Egypt times, and um, and uh, field hockey is much older than ice hockey. But ice hockey, for whatever reason, has captured the mainstream more than field hockey ever could. Even women's uh, ice hockey is more popular than field hockey. And, and, and I don't care necessarily who is playing, whether it's a male or a female playing. Like, if there's hockey, like, I, I mean, like, I'll probably watch that. Um, and I'm, of course, referring to ice hockey. But if there's that, like, like I mean, I'll probably take that over, ba- over basketball because it's just... I don't need everything scoring all the time. But uh, sorry about the uh, little bit of the side note, but uh, let's get back to it. So in about the 1870s, it's estimated, uh, did you actually see um, an actual modern-day game? And the rink itself was um, was not like anything... We have today, like with the big um, walls that are like about four and a half feet tall, and and with glass um, around the rink, um, it was not like that. Um, so it was sort of um, like a little pond, but it was indoors, uh, or yeah, it was. There indoor doors, and they were able to get this. Uh, they were able to get a um, rink there, and it was sort of like a stick and ball game. Um, of course, it did start out um, uh, on the pond as well, and uh, with that, it. You know, it evolved to something great. Uh, 
Now, during the 20th century, you had the original six in the NHL um, come about, and um, and I do not have this with me right now, but I think the Montreal Canadiens uh, were a different team. There were also the Montreal Maroons. It, they, there was also another team by the name of the Maroons. Uh, the Bruins, the Rangers, the Red Wings, the Blackhawks, the Maple Leafs came about as well. And the Maple Leafs are probably one like about as old as uh, I. I can't even think of any other team that old. Uh, I mean, like I can think of I can think of more teams older than them, like like the Cubs or the Pirates or the White Sox or something. But they're pretty old. They're they're over a hundred years old. They, I I'm pretty sure they're older than World War One. Uh, all six of them, or 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 if not, they're about the time. Okay, they. They, I think they came about before World War One ended. Don't quote me on that, but yeah. Um, and then people uh, started to make salaries once uh, that came along, and and uh, but um, just like with uh, American football or with baseball back in the day when Babe Ruth or Derrick had to actually go be like these guys were carpenters, they were plumbers, they were tradesmen, they were doing other skilled labor typically uh but if anything it was just an added bonus it was if anything sports in general were was the first second stream of income to actually come about because you know everyone only could work that one job um and and on occasion there was like if you were lucky you had like an apple tree in the backyard or something and you could sell those apples to your neighbor or something. Um, there was that, but but to actually like really get a true source of income, second stream of income, it was playing sports. And, and these guys were still making a pretty good living as well. Refrigerators were brand new at the time, so and and they had a higher quality of standard uh, standard, so that, so they could afford more things. Uh, pardon me for the rambling. Uh, um, and uh, then once uh, once the fifties uh, came along, um, did it actually start to get a little recognition? Um, baseball was way more popular, um, especially in the states, and you had. Um, you know, the Bruins and the Rangers, uh, were probably the two main ones that everyone recognized, uh, unless you were out in Detroit or Chicago, like, like you were not really watching hockey and you certainly were not getting any games if you were out in California or even, even Colorado, like, or or some, some state out West where, you know, you could, like, you see a good, um, a good hockey, like, like, that's built on a hockey culture. Denver um, University actually did win the, the NCAA men's championship. Congrats to them. Um, and but but it, it just wasn't localized, and and radio was not. It, you didn't have like XM satellite radio or, or anything like that. And 
So you actually had to go to the rink, go to the arena most of the time, or unless... And in TV, it, it wasn't really broadcasted until the 60s. And and uh, once the early 60s came around, you had uh, Bobby Hall, Stan Makita, that special team that... And they actually found out that if you curve your stick, you could launch a puck much better, had more velocity to it. Think about that. Like, I mean, well, these guys were not physicians, and I don't know how, um, like, any of the, like, what physicians would even consider there was no sports science at the time that as well but but to have this on accident uh with uh Makita uh jamming his stick into the rink door and then it breaking i not, it, it wasn't a complete break it, it was a bust and then they go down to the front office of uh, it, whatever the arena was at the time and they just start slightly bending the sticks. And then the manager at the time is like, what are you doing? What are you doing? I, I, I don't, like, like, like imagine, I, I'm trying to pe- explain this in a way. Like, I, I, like, imagine you find this mystical fruit, or not mystical fruit, but imagine you find a fruit in the middle of the woods, you're incredibly hungry, and it's like you, you gotta eat something, sort of thing. At that moment, you eat the fruit, and you and you feel like Superman, sort of thing. Like 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 this is what they felt like when they discovered. They, it's like they found like the Holy Grail or the Fountain of Youth. Like like and and they use that advantage to a win. Um, after the sixties and. Um, more towards the early 70s, you began to see that um, come about. Goalies uh, kept the flat stick uh, for a little longer, um, but eventually they got a curve as well. Um, 70s were interesting, at least in the NHL. Um, Bobby Orr, um, there was Bobby Clark as well in the mid-70s. Uh, Islanders uh, did not, were sort of building themselves up in the late 70s. Um, the the St. Louis Blues lost the Stanley Cup twice. Uh, I think the Sabres lost a cup back then in the 70s. Um, but Phil Esposito and Bobby Orr were the two big ones. And Bobby Clark for number three. They were incredible. Let me tell you this. Even though Gordie Howe was still playing hockey, I believe, yeah, he was like, like he, like he scored a goal in like all these decades. Like even during, you know, you know, they started to pick up and just really be the dominant ones. And Bobby Orr was could score from you know, as a defense, like, he was the first real one to rush it and just go, like, act like he was a forward. And and no one really saw anything like that before, and that did change the game. And I played defense in addition to being a forward, and, and honestly, I would have read, like, 
at that point, it's like, okay, like if I'm going to score, like just put me as a forward. I do not want to take it from behind and, um, and, uh, just, and, um, and just have more of a, uh, you know, you know, and have to like take slap shots from a distance where it could easily be blocked down as well. Like I would rather just be the score as well. The 90s were interesting. Mario Lemieux came up. The Pittsburgh Penguins were sort of dominant with him, but then he had a bunch of back injuries as well. And um, and Gretzky was still going strong. <laughs> Excuse me. He went out to L.A. after that... Um, Terrible, terrible um, trade, and he could he, the Oilers could have won another four or five more cups easily during that time. But um, Messier moved on, Coffee moved to the Penguins, and actually did become Lemieux's teammate, and he did win two more Stanley Cups. But Gretzky, after the Oilers, never received another Stanley Cup. He got close in '93 with the uh, with L.A. And going up against Montreal, but that just didn't happen. It was cut short. And there there are some people saying that that the Maple Leafs should have been in that one uh, for what it was worth. But that just, um, they went so long and they were just one goal away too. Um, But that was an interesting one as well. Um, So by the 70s, by the 80s, uh, more people are making contracts, and then they're like, I think by the late 80s, um, they, like more people are making at least a million dollars. I mean, Gretzky was probably one of the highest paid ones during the 80s, even though he was so young. Um, like, like he, I think he had already made maybe a few million by 89. Um, the World Hockey Association, I actually don't have numbers on that and how much he uh, got, but um, that was a short experiment. Um, the, yeah, 94 was interesting. Rangers won that. 95, the Devils win theirs. 96, Avalanche win theirs. Then the Red Wings go on a short dynasty and um 99 uh, 1999 uh the stars win their f- first one 2000 devils back at it again and in 2001 probably the best stanley cup finals game i ever saw game seven raymond bork joe sackick patrick wah against Marty Brodeur and Scott Gomez. Probably the best, probably the best hockey game. Like, if I wanted to introduce someone to the game of hockey, I will start with that game, like, as well. Now, um, getting into the modern day, um, there have been many hockey blogs. There have been many people that have made some money off of it. Um, YouTube is a great way. You could actually just, if you know any good off-ice workouts, you could you could start today and just film it. Um, you could, 
you can make a study guide as a referee and and uh, just ha- help people pass the referee exam uh, through USA Hockey or whatever. There are many ways we can do, we can monetize this. It is, it's incredible what we can do with um, our mind as well. Um, playing hockey is probably the fun of it all. It is, it's great. I mean, like, I mean, without the checking, I'm, I'm pretty good at it, but checking like, uh, I mean, I've sustained a lot of injuries and, and it may not be your thing to actually play it, but let me tell you something. It is fun to watch an NHL game every now and then. Um, John Boy um, doesn't really cover hockey the same way he does baseball, but but if there is like a hockey version of a John Boy, like like you could definitely um, do something like that. There are there are a bunch of hockey podcasts, and um, there's a bunch of history that goes with it too, and it is it is great too. It's great that we have all of this. Um, trying to think what else. Um, you know, the sport has expanded so much. Um, we now have composite sticks instead of wood sticks. We now have synthetic ice, which we can skate on, and you don't have to refrigerate, refrigerate it. You can just put it in your backyard, if, assuming you have a big enough space. And you can skate on synthetic ice. Of course, there's some wear and tear now and then, but you can just, you can get started with your hobby in your backyard. And you don't even need ice, too. Um, There are, you can definitely make a course on how to make a hockey rink in your backyard. If you're you're up in the northern states, too, uh, you can definitely uh, uh, show off how you uh, put the water in, freeze it overnight. There are there was an Instagram video I came across uh, about a month ago where a kid woke up from his bed, then he just started skating towards his rink, to his homemade rink, which was like out in the middle of Maine, in like the, in the middle of nowhere, and and uh, and you can definitely easily monetize it and have that go viral, ladies and gentlemen. I've said this before. You can find your passion and and express yourself and make money from doing the thing you love, even if it's just a side hustle. And and I'm glad I'm doing what I'm doing uh, now to um, really just get this uh, going. Um, I am always grateful uh, for you listening to this. Uh, um, before I sign off, I do want to say, uh, please, please like and share this podcast. Um, if you're on YouTube um, or just check the show notes, uh, please subscribe to the YouTube channel, Adam Rothstein. Um, check out the Nomad Network as well. That is a link in the description, in the description and the show notes. Um, and uh, with that being said. I will see you all, uh, or you will, all right.
what I'm trying to say is um, please rate this uh, on all your major podcast platforms, uh, five stars if you think it's worth it. And uh, also write a review as well. I, th- I, um, I only have 10 written reviews and I would like to get a 100 by the end of the year. So um, definitely rate this five stars and uh, please write a little review. Let me know what you think of this. Because five stars, like, I want to know what works. So when I do launch another podcast, I will um, know what to do next. And uh, with that being said, um, stay safe. Stay great. I'll talk to you all in the next episode. (laughs) 